So I was thinking about several years ago, uh, we, was, we were with our elder team, which is a group of people that lead our church and oversee um, kind of the vision and the, the, the next steps in the life of our church. And one of our elders closed that prayer time praying this prayer. He said, Jesus, help me hear others with your ears, see others with your eyes, and love others with your heart. And I thought, man, that, that is the heart of a disciple. Somebody that really longs to know Jesus more and more and to live like Jesus more and more. And I was so blessed. And so I, I had to stop down and write down the prayer because I did not want to forget it. And I think, man, how would life change if that was the way that all of us lived? <laughs> seeking to hear Jesus with, hear others with Jesus' ears, seeking to, to love others with Jesus' heart. How would that change everything? But how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where that's not just a reflection of our heart or just a prayer, but that is actually the way that we're going into living our everyday life? That's going to take some work. There's got to be some sort of plan. Somebody has said that you can have a dream, a kind of a vision for your life, but if we don't have a strategy, then it is just a dream. And it'll never become a reality but even that word strategy, that's scary. Like, are we going to need org charts to figure this all out, following Jesus and loving other people? But we believe here at the chapel, it's simpler than that. And over these last weeks, we've been exploring four simple environments that we really believe will help us learn more about Jesus and live like Jesus. And so this is kind of the culmination of that series, and we've already here explored the, the power of the row, which is where you're sitting as we gather each week to worship together and lean into the truth of God's Word as someone shares it with us and we apply it to our lives. And we've talked about uh, the importance of chair time, just getting alone with God and taking in His Word individually, and seeking Him in prayer. And we've talked about going. That, that's just engaging in our faith by serving others in our church, in our community, and in our world. And it's been so encouraging over these last weeks to see so many of you that have taken first steps or next steps and said, yeah, you know what? I need to get involved. I want to go. I want to serve. Or many of you that took the time to say, man, I need to start digging into the truth of God's word on a regular basis for my own life. And you signed up for Beyond the Weekend Devotions, or you started a Bible reading plan. And this weekend, we talk about the last environment. It's the environment of what we call the circle. And a circle simply represents a, a small group. Uh, maybe it's a group of four to, to 12 people who are committed to doing life with each other and helping each other become more and more uh, like Jesus. And whether we realize it or not, you know, the, ch the chapel, it's a, I mean, we're a multi-site church. There's part of our chapel family is meeting in Sandusky this weekend, and part of our chapel family is way down in Norwalk this weekend, and another part right here. But what is really a, going to be a large church all began in a living room with a few people sitting in a circle. And, and as we seek to reach more and more people, our goal as a church, it's actually to grow smaller, to help people get more connected 
in community and in relationships. In fact, we, we would say from, from preschool to old school, okay? We want everybody that sits on a seat on Sunday to find a place to connect with others in a circle on Monday through Friday. That every single one of us would get engaged in a circle environment. We really believe it's that critical to our spiritual growth. It, it, it's what creates community in, in a larger church. I love what Andy Stanley said. He said, community, it's not just a nice option. It's a need like food, water, or shelter. And God uses other people to grow us, and he uses us to grow other people. That's what the circle is all about. And when you think about it, even Jesus had a circle. In in, uh, the Gospels, Luke chapter 6, it says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. And it says at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Now, the word disciple we've learned in the series simply means a learner, a student, a follower. And Jesus had many people, crowds of people that were following him, listening to him, trying to understand and then follow his teaching. He had many, many disciples. But it says in this passage that out of all those people that were following him, Jesus handpicked 12. Now you say, well, gosh, didn't somebody get left out? That sounds kind of cliquish. Like, I mean, whose feelings got hurt on that one? But Jesus understood in order for him to truly fulfill his mission, it was going to have to happen in a smaller setting. And so he chose 12 to be apostles. Now, the word apostle, it means sent ones. And Jesus would spend his next three years doing life with this small group of 12, investing in them, encouraging them, equipping them, rubbing off on their lives so that then he would send them out to continue his mission of helping more and more people come into a real and living relationship with Christ. In fact, I would dare say this, we would not be sitting here in 2019 in this place called the chapel in Port Clinton, Ohio, if it were not for Jesus and his small group. That group shared the faith with others who got in groups, who shared the faith, who got in groups, who shared the faith, and it's, it's trickled down to you and I. That's the power of a circle. And Jesus knew that. And we see, we see the, 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 the circle environment being developed in the, right in the midst of the early church. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, There's this beautiful picture. And what has happened leading up to this is even more profound. It says in Acts that there were people gathered from all walks of life and different nationalities and backgrounds, and they were all gathered in one city. And in one moment, the Holy Spirit fell in such a way that miraculous things were happening. And in the midst of that, Peter, one of Jesus' apostles, one of his small group members, he stood up and he proclaimed the good news of the gospel about Jesus and all that he had done. And it says on that day, 3,000 people believed, were baptized, and were added to the church. And that sets up what happens next because there's 3,000 people and they're all going, oh my word, this is a giant church. What do we do now? They had to begin to organize so that all the key elements of church life would happen. And we see it begin 
in Acts chapter 2. Look at it with me. All the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, to celebrating the Lord's Supper together, and to prayer, another key element. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles, they performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers, it says, met together in one place, and they shared. They shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared money with those that were in need. And it says they worshiped together. They worshiped together at the temple each day, but they also met in homes. They shared the Lord's Supper there, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity. And look at the results. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill or the, the favor of all the people. And it says, each day the Lord added to their number the, those that were being saved, those that were rescued sinners that realized they could be forgiven and find hope in a relationship with Jesus and find this whole new community to do life with called the church. And so I see in this passage really four key reasons why every single one of us needs the church and why every single one of us, even more so, needs a small group, needs a circle environment. And the first one is fellowship. Look at it with me again. He says, all the believers, they devoted themselves both to the apostles' teaching, and we'll talk about that in a moment, and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. Now, this, this, this word fellowship, the, the original word, it's much richer than just surface friendships or Instagram followers. It's talking about deep, committed, spiritual friendships that sharpen us, that, that, that make us feel loved and valued and cared for and make us more and more like Jesus because of the people that we're doing life with. This is the kind of fellowship that the early church was experiencing. Everybody needs a place to belong. That's what fellowship is. And in a, in a large church like ours, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle, to fall through the cracks. Some of you are probably sitting here this weekend going, yeah, you know, I really have enjoyed starting to come to the chapel, but I just comment, I don't know if, I don't know anybody. Or I don't know if they'd notice if I wasn't here. And you know what? It, it's impossible for us to notice everybody. It's impossible to have the kind of fellowship that I think Jesus wants us to have in a large setting like this. I mean, this is not made for fellowship. <laughs> That's the power of a circle, a small group, every, because everybody needs to belong. I was, uh, I was talking with somebody right here, right over, sitting over there, after our volunteer kickoff event a few weeks ago. They were newer to the chapel, and I was explaining some different service opportunities, and they said to me, they said, you know what I really need? I just need somebody to help me get to know some people. What did, they, what did this person want? They just, they just wanted to belong, to feel like they were known, loved, cared for. That is a, it's a primary need in every single one of our lives. And once we belong, many times that's, that's the first step for somebody coming to belief. 
When somebody knows that they're loved and cared for, they start to trust what another person has to say. They start to watch the way another person lives, and they're drawn towards the Jesus that is in the midst of this friendship. They, they belong, they believe, and then we start to become, become more and more like Jesus. And this kind of fellowship, it can't be found in the row on Sunday, but it can be discovered and lived out in the circle on Wednesday. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I put a question out on Facebook, and I asked, uh, what's one way that your small group has truly helped you in your journey and made a difference in your life? So uh, this morning, I'm going to share several times real-life testimonies of people that go to our church that have said, here's what a circle means to me. Here's what being a part of a small group means to me. Here's how it has made a difference in my life. One person said, my group, it gives me a sense of friendship and bonding and meeting, the growth in my learning and relationship with God, and helping me meet my future wife. Wow. All the young adult guys are like, yeah, that small group thing, I'm interested in. <laughs> You never know what can happen in a circle environment. But do you see the, the, this hunger and this need being met? A sense of friendship and bonding? That's fellowship. Every single one of us needs that. Another person said, they walk, my small group, they walk through every step of life with us, good and bad. They have become our circle, our friends, our family. One person said, our small group cares like, for our kids like we care for our kids. It's that kind of friendship. It's that kind of fellowship, and every single one of us needs it. And it can be best discovered in the life of a small group. So how can I take some next steps? Maybe you're not even in a small group. And before the end of our time today, I'm going to tell you how to take that first step to get involved in, in group life. Maybe some of you are in small groups. Well, what if, what if we increase the fellowship factor of our groups? Maybe it means even offering to, to organize an event where your group can just get out together and laugh together and, and share life together and do whatever we can do to increase the fellowship factor. There's a second reason why I believe every single one of us needs to be engaged in a small group, and that's for truth. Uh, in, in, the, in the early church, it says all the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, Peter, many of the other apostles, they were going around and they were sharing with the people all the words of Jesus, many of them that they had firsthand heard from Jesus or watched Jesus live out. They were committed to truth. In fact, it says they were devoted to it. It's why here at the chapel, our number one value is we rely on God and his word. It's why in all of our environments here at the chapel, God's word is always going to be central. It's why there's, there's kids back in that new kids area, and they're going to they're gonna sit, and they're going to listen to some teaching, and then they're going to sit in some circles, and they're going to talk about the truth of God's Word and how it applies to their everyday life as a, as a five-year-old or as a second grader or as a middle schooler next hour out at, in the warehouse. And that's what we're here for. Now, listen, you say, well, isn't that what we come to church for? Like, teaching, like truth, and yes, and thank you for your tentativeness, but this is a pretty one-way street right now, right? I mean, it, I suppose you could start talking and asking questions, but it, it might be a little bit awkward, right? 
But that's, that's what a circle is made for, so that we can dig into what we've talked about at, an, at another level. Uh, it's why Paul wrote to the Colossian believers in Colossians 3.16. He said, let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. I think he was saying, listen, as you, as you take in the teaching of truth in the row environment on Sundays, as you, as you sit in your chair every day taking in the truth of God's word, let the message about Christ, let it fill our lives. And then look what he says. And then let the pastor teach you some more. No. It says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. We have a small group. Um, our group is getting ready to kick back off for the fall. We meet on Sunday nights at our house. We get together. We eat together. We open God's Word together. We'll watch a video series together. And there will be so many times where I'm sitting around the circle with our small group, and everybody's looking to me as the, you know, the pastor, the professional, to be the leader of the group. And, and it's just kind of expected but there have been so many times where we're, we're sitting and we're talking about truth and Jim in our group, he'll say something and I'll be sitting there and I'm like, oh, that's good. I never, I never looked at it that way. I never saw it that way. You see, that's what happens in a circle. When, when we're knee to knee around God's word and God uses each other to help us understand truth and take our next steps. And that's not going to happen on Sunday. It can happen on Monday in the environment of a circle. Another person that responded to our, uh, my Facebook question said, small groups, they give you the small church feeling in a big church. Our small group has been there to cry with us, celebrate with us, support us, hold us accountable. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. There is no closer group of friends than those that study God's word together and pray. There's something about God's truth that binds people's lives together when they study it and share it together. So what are some next steps when it comes to this element of truth? How could, I, how could I elevate truth when it comes to my own small group experience or my own group of friendships? Maybe it means texting a group, your group members or a group of friends, a verse of scripture in the middle of the day that, that, that you came across. Just sharing truth with others. It's amazing how many times when we pass along something that we've read, what it can do for another person in the midst of their day what it can mean to somebody else in the midst of whatever they're facing or whatever they're struggling with. God wants to use us that way in each other's lives as we share truth together. So there's a third reason why I think we need a small group environment. Every single one of us, and that's because of prayer. Every one of us needs prayer, and every one of us can pray. Whether you feel comfortable praying out loud or in front of people, that is not the issue here, but every single one of us can lift up the needs of another person's life. Prayer. The, the early church, they were devoted, remember? Devoted to teaching, devoted to the fellowship, and it says they were devoted to prayer. In fact, I think that's why there was probably so many miraculous things happening in the life of the early church. It's because they were a praying church. They were praying, they were in each other's lives and they were praying with each other and for each other and lifting each other up. You know, 
every week, we, uh, Ryan talks about the Connect cards, and many times you guys will share prayer needs, prayer requests on those Connect cards, and those get turned into the giving boxes, and then those go to a person that then records all those prayers, and they put it in a, a long prayer list of needs, of things going on in all kinds of people's lives in our church. And then there's a team of people that receive that email, and they, they pray for those things all week long. I look at those every single Tuesday morning. But I don't know all of you. There's something profound that happens when you know a person and then you see what they're facing. And because you know them in, in, in relationship, you're burdened, I think, at another level. And that's what can happen in the, in the midst of a circle environment where you're sitting around in a living room with a group of people who you know, who you love, who you care about, and, and somebody shares a prayer, prayer request in their life, and because you know them and you love them and you care for them, you're burdened. And you're burdened to pray for them regularly because they're on your heart, they're on your mind, you're doing life with each other. That's what happens when you're in a circle. That's why we all need a small group. I love what one person said about prayer. This is one of our women's gathering places that are, that are kicking off right now. Uh, this lady says, my small group, it's such a great group of ladies. They cheer each other on throughout the week. They encourage spiritual growth no matter where you are in life. From prayers to our devotionals to just chatting about life, it's a group where you feel loved and you never feel alone. People that you can count on to pray with you and for you. Every single one of us, we need those kinds of spiritual friendships, and it can be discovered in a circle. So how, how can we elevate prayer when it, when it comes to our, our spiritual lives and our spiritual friendships and the life of our small group? Maybe it means, if you haven't already, starting a text message prayer chain with your group. I tell you, one day I was, I was um, working on some things, and I heard my phone just going off. And it was like notification, notification, notification. And, you know, at first I'm like, oh, boy, I'm in one of those threads, one of those friendship groups, one of those. Somebody sent me a group text, and now I'm, I'm going to get pelted with this stuff all day long. So I went over. I scaled all the way up to the top to see what the first one was. It was a member of our small group. And they said, hey, this just happened. Can you guys please pray for me? And then I saw from another person in our group, got your back. And then I, I saw another one from another person saying, praying right this moment. There's something profound knowing it any moment when you're facing something, when you've been, become overwhelmed, when you don't know what to do. But there's people that love and care for you, and they're praying right then. Or take it another step. Oftentimes we say, hey, I'll be praying for you, but then we never do it. Instead, when we say, I'm praying for you, maybe, maybe text a prayer. Not, not just, I'm praying for you, but text your prayer for that person so that they can read what you prayed for them. Or, or, or take it another, uh, another step. This was a couple of years back. Um, Eric Gonzalez, is, he was at the time one of our chapel elders, great friend. We had been doing a Bible study together on leadership. And uh, one morning I get a, a text message from Eric, and it's um, not a text, though. It's just a little box. And I click on the box, and I hear Eric's voice. And here's what it said, something like this. Hey, Todd, it's Eric. I'm just driving into work this morning, and you came to my heart, and I wanted to pray for you. 
And then he started praying. I don't remember all the details of what he prayed, but here's what I do remember. That morning, I needed it. That day, hearing Eric praying for me as a brother that loves me and cares for me, it carried me. Just recently, Val Bressler, who's played keyboards on the stage, passed away. And I was talking to one of her small group members, and she said, you know, just before Val passed, on that last day, she would ask to listen. Listen to a prayer that somebody had sent her. And in the midst of the pain, there was a little bit of peace. This is the power of prayer. And man, when we're doing life in the environment of a circle, those are the people that we know we can count on. One final, one final reason why we all need a circle environment, and that is for care. For care. Look at how the care was happening in the midst of the early church. It says, all the believers, they met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. Now, this was like ridiculous, over-the-top care, because look at what happens next. It says, they sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. Like, these people loved and cared for each other so much that when they saw a need, they said, listen, I've got extra here, or I've got surplus here, or I've got this that I don't have to have. I'm going to sell this, and I'm going to use the money from which I sell it from to help somebody else and meet their need. This was ridiculous generosity at its best. This was care in the most beautiful way. And we don't know for certain whether it was just care that was happening within the church that everybody in the community was noticing or if it was the care that was coming even out of the church and meeting the needs of people in the community. Either way, care was a key element of the early church and they had to organize to truly care for each other. With 3,000 people, there's no way we can know everybody. There's no way that we can care for every need. You know what, Ryan... Our campus pastor here, Ryan Mortar, he loves you guys. He is an incredible campus pastor. I love being here on Sundays. I love seeing him walk the halls. I love seeing him out in the atrium. I love seeing him kneeling down and talking to kids. But here's the reality. If you, if you expect Ryan to care for every single one of you, you will be let down. Because one, he's not perfect. And number two, he can't know everybody. He can't be everywhere. Jesus couldn't be everywhere. Jesus had to say no to people. But it's why uh, being involved in a circle environment is so important, because we can care for each other. The Bible commands this, not just to pastors. No, we're supposed to equip people to care for people. I, one, it was about 10 o'clock one evening, and I got a text message um, from, my, from my other friend, Eric, who's a pastor here at the chapel. And he let me in on a, a, a serious situation going on in the life of a family. And he said, hey, I'm going up to the hospital. Do you want to come? I said, yeah, let's go. He picked me up. We headed up to the hospital. We get up there. You know, we're kind of anticipating there's been a heart attack. There's somebody in very serious health. We get up there. Their small group had already beat us. 
and I loved it. Because they were loving and caring and praying for each other. They were in each other's lives. That's the kind of care that you can discover, not on Sunday in a seat, but in a circle. I love what this person said. They said about their small group, the people in our group, they show up. I believe they are the hands and feet and warm hugs and big shoulders of Jesus. That's care. So how do I take a next step when it comes to care? Maybe it means making a meal for somebody in my group. Maybe it means showing up at the hospital. Maybe it means offering to watch someone's kids so that that other couple in your group can have a date night. This is true care for one another. But I want to tell you, it goes beyond the physical and the emotional care that we're, we're here to offer to one another. We need to care for one another's souls. I love what the writer of Hebrews said, let us think of ways to motivate one another towards acts of love and good works. What was he saying? Uh, one version of the Bible says, let us spur one another on. That is, let us kick each other in the pants once in a while to get moving in our spiritual journey. You know, we are not to judge other people outside of the church or other people that do not know Jesus. But let me tell you something. We are called to be our brother and sister's keepers. To love each other enough to be invested in each other's lives that we can challenge each other and spur each other on and call each other out and pick each other up when we've gotten knocked down. And that happens best in the context of a circle environment because those are the people that you've grown to know and love and you know that they love you and care for you and they can speak those things into your life. It's like the writer of Proverbs said, as iron sharpens iron, so one person can sharpen the countenance of his brother. You know, when iron sharpens iron, sparks sometimes fly. But it's for the good of another person. And we're called not just to care for emotional and physical needs, but to care for each other's spiritual journeys, helping each other truly become more and more like Jesus. So how do we elevate that? You know, we might have a great group that, you know, we eat together and have fun together. Maybe we eat, open the Bible. Maybe we pray for each other. But I want to challenge us. Are we going deeper? Maybe it means asking a group member how they're doing in their own personal chair time. Like, you're like, well, isn't that private? Yeah, it's Kind of, but it was never meant to be completely private. I, I remember when I was at Cedarville University, I was uh, a, a, a junior and I uh, had just transferred there. I'm standing in the room of the third floor of Founders Hall waiting for class to start. Nobody else was in the room. And this guy that was a fellow resident assistant with me walks in. His name is Dennis Moles. And Dennis walks over by the window to say hey to me. And he goes, hey, Todd, so what did you read in God's word today? I just wanted to fall apart and crumble because I had nothing to say. Here I was off at Bible college and I was writing theological papers, but I was missing daily time with Jesus. But Dennis was not afraid to ask me about it. And it spurred me on. And every single one of us needs that at times in our life. And I could only accept that from him. He could only ask me that question 
because we were friends, because we were doing life together, because I knew that he asked it out of a place of love, not judgment. That happens in a circle. This is one last response that I got, and this one wasn't public. It was a private message to me, but they said that I could share. This is Adam. Adam writes, almost two years ago, I was separated from my wife, considering divorce and literally 1,200 miles away from her. After pastoring for five years, I had given up on everything. I came to the chapel with my parents. I ended up joining a small group I attended for at least five to six months straight. This small group brought so much healing and healthy relationships into my life at a very dark time. Look what he writes next. They allowed me to be honest about how I felt, and they gave me godly counsel. They encouraged forgiveness and wholeness. Without this small community of believers, he said, I would have been alone in my bitterness and darkness. But now today, I am back with my wife in the healthiest relationship to date and full of hope. You guys, that's the power of a circle. And every single one of us, we need it. And so what are my next steps? Uh, maybe if you're, listen, if you're here, here and you serve as a group leader in men's fraternity or a, a women's Bible study or a home group in your home, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you. You really are the dream team. You are making it happen. You are loving and caring for people. And recently, Ryan Orshosky, who's new to our staff, he's overseeing groups, he, he sent you an email. Hopefully you got it. If you didn't receive an email from Ryan, um, then, then you need to get a hold of him. Because he sent out a survey just to help us get a better pulse on who our groups are and where they're meeting and who's got room for more people. And part of the reason for that survey is to help better encourage and equip you as a small group leader. And so... Man, get a hold of him. He's here today. He'll be out in the atrium at the, at the connection group table. If you're a group leader and uh, you've not ever connected with Ryan, please just go out and introduce yourself. Say hello. Let him help you lead others in your group experience. But secondly, many of you are in a group. So what's your next step? I'd say just keep making it better. Keep, keep increasing the fellowship factor. Keep praying for each other. Take the lead in your group. Uh, keep elevating truth in the life of your small group, making sure that you're centered around God's word and keep caring. Show up, be there for one another and care for each other's souls. Go deeper with your group. And maybe some of your groups, maybe your next step, it's to, to add or multiply. And by that, I mean, make some room for somebody else to join. Add Add somebody new. Yeah, that's risky. Oh, that's going to change, that's going to change our group makeup. We've gotten close. Now we, we know each other. We like each other. Well, guess what? Somebody, somebody that's here is missing that. And you could be the group to help somebody find their place. Or maybe it's time to multiply, meaning it's time to take your group that's grown and it's healthy and you've got good things going and there's a couple people in your group that, that have leadership potential and you say, you know what, we're going to split and we're going to multiply so that we can add more people. Or maybe you're a group member and it's time for you to step up to say, you know what, I'll, I'll lead a group. It's that important. I know what it's meant to me. I want to make it happen for somebody else. Finally, 
if you're not in a group. You're without a circle environment. Uh, you just got to take a step. And I know that's scary. Like maybe you're like, man, I've never done a group thing. I'm, I'm good with Sundays and sermons and music. But I'm telling you, if that's you, you're missing out. And, and you're not going to grow the way that Jesus made you to grow just on Sundays. In our, in our September What's Happening guide, there's all kinds of opportunity. We have already today mentioned men's fraternities getting ready to kick off. Great place for guys to connect. Uh, women of the Word Bible Studies. Um, Christian up here leads a young adult small group. If you're a young adult and you're looking for a group to connect with, talk to Christian. He plays the drums for us. Or, or go see Ryan out at the connection group table. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities just waiting for you to take a step. The easiest way for you to let us know that you're interested is to text the word groups to that number. That number's in the welcome program. Uh, it's in our what's happening guide. Uh, or you can stop out, you can email Ryan, you can stop out and see Ryan, just say, hey, I need to mark on your connect card groups and just say, I'm ready to take a step and we will do everything within our power to help you connect because we really believe Jesus believed in the circles. The early church lived out the circle and we as a church, we, we will not become who God's created us to become without the power of the circle. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, and thank you for everybody that's gathered here today. God, thank you for the row. Thank you that we get to worship together and learn together, but help us to take a step, to make our groups better, to, to love and care for each other, to pray for each other, to elevate truth, to care for one another's souls so that we might become more and more like Jesus. So this week, Jesus, we would hear each other's with your ears, that we would see others with your eyes, and that we would love others with your heart. In Christ's name we pray, amen.